another edition of the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Nick Shook. He's Andrew Gribble, and we are getting you ready for the Browns' first divisional opponent in 2019 as the Brown and Orange gets set to head to Baltimore to take on the Baltimore Ravens, who are in first place currently in the AFC North at 2-1. and one. Gentlemen, uh, a tough task again for the Cleveland Browns. We're in the middle of a number of tough tasks, I feel like. But uh, this one being a division foe, there's a little bit added incentive on this one. Yeah, I feel like the hits don't stop coming with this schedule, which we knew going into the season. Um, we knew the Rams were going to be a good team. Tennessee surprised us, got the win in New York, and now you know we're going to go to two, our first divisional game against a Baltimore team that is better than people expected so far. Uh, we'll see where that lands by the end of the season, but at this point right now, they're on the top of the division. Lamar Jackson looks like he's taking the next step. They took their first loss last week to an, a very good Chiefs team, as we all know, and uh, and they'll be coming home looking for maybe uh, some redemption against a familiar opponent uh, that they took down late last year. So this is a, a game that, you know, you don't want to name any game a, a must-win at this point, and we're not going to name this one a must-win, but it would go a really long way for the Browns if they could pull this one out. Yeah, the Ravens uh, have easily been the best team in the AFC North so far, and that's because they've won the games they're supposed to. I think at the beginning of the season, if you would have looked at your schedule, you would have predicted them to be 2-1 and one at this point because they're going to Miami, they hosted Arizona, and then they played the Chiefs in a tough game. So I think the thing we learned most about this team, honestly, might have been how they played Week 3. Because I, I take nothing out of week one uh, when they did to the Dolphins what I think a lot of teams could do to the Dolphins. And will do. And will do. I think I think they, they scored more points than maybe some of the other teams, but I think other teams went into those games with a plan to take the, the foot off the gas a little bit more. Uh, and then the Cardinals game, they, they won a game they were supposed to, and, and kind of it was a normal football game. They got an early lead, and they hung on uh, at the end and made the plays they were supposed to. So I thought them competing with the Chiefs, Hanging with them, ultimately they fell in a pretty big hole and then had to climb out of it. Lamar Jackson did a lot of the things you like what you see, but then he also struggled at some points. He was, I think, at one point in the game, 8 of 20 for 75 yards, throwing the ball. So to me, this is a, as much a reflection. We'll see what the Ravens really are after this game as much as we'll see what the Browns are. When you take a look at the Baltimore Ravens offensively and – Lamar Jackson, what do you see from him in terms of the biggest improvement from year one to year two? Gribble, we'll go start with you. I think he's a more accurate passer. Uh, he still has some inaccurate throws that uh, are just going to be part of the deal. I think it's part of the deal with Josh Allen in Buffalo. I mean, he's a better passer, but there's going to be ones where it's like, okay, that was that's just what he does sometimes. But I think the, the huge difference is ultimately they spent the entire offseason building the offense around him uh, and surrounding him with skill players, and running backs that have not we've not seen on the Ravens in a long time. I mean, this was a, a franchise that struggled to get playmakers at wide receiver, and they've always had a thousand tight ends, but they've got a couple of good ones uh, that really help out Lamar Jackson. And a story on Ravens.com this week, or BaltimoreRavens.com. Do not go to Ravens.com. It's like a <laughs> link to an Amazon page. Uh, but BaltimoreRavens.com, they had the headline that Lamar Jackson has Baker Mayfield's two biggest weapons from college, and that they've got Marquise Brown yeah. and Mark Andrews, and those are two big playmakers that have really changed this offense and really cater his to his strengths, which is you know lull the teams to sleep by running the ball and then all of a sudden hit them over the top. So that's what they're doing, and I think they've they've really just – they, they've gone all in with Lamar Jackson and built the team around him. Whether or not it's sustainable for a long time remains to be seen, but this is a, a very good constructed offense as it is now. I think you credit Ozzie Newsom for his final draft last year in which he, he landed Lamar Jackson and also took 
uh, Mark Andrews. Uh, you know, he took a couple tight ends. He also took Hayden Hurst. And then you also give credit to Eric DeCosta, their new GM, because he's done, you know, the, taking the next step and really said, all right, well, if this is going to be our guy, we're going to build our entire team around him, like Gribble said. And I think that has created what I've noticed the most in, in Lamar Jackson this year from year one to year two is comfort. He, he looks a lot more comfortable being on the field. Last year, it was middle of the season, you're taking over, and you're just going to figure it out on the fly, and that's why you saw him you know, running a good amount. That's why you saw basically John Harbaugh change the entire offense in the middle of the season was just like, all right, well, this instead of doing what we did with Flacco before, we're going to kind of turn to a little bit of a collegiate An offense. An amazing turnaround. Yes, and you, know, you saw them running speed option and, and different read options and stuff like that where you could really take advantage of Lamar's mobility and keep defenses honest. Now you've had an entire offseason to really build it around him. You've added key pieces that would complement him. And, oh, by the way, uh, one of the better free agent additions in the offseason that people didn't really pay attention to at the time, Mark Ingram, who's having a really good start to this t- uh, to the season for this team, uh, as expected, and, and I think it's just allowed Lamar to really step into fully into his role as the franchise quarterback and get a lot more comfortable, and it's going to be a big challenge for the Browns. All right, so here's my question for you. What's been the bigger addition on offense for them, Marquise Brown or Mark Ingram? Well, it's got to be Mark Ingram, and, and people are probably going to disagree with me on that because Marquise Brown is, is the – the receiving end of the highlight play, the big play. But over the course of the season, I'm always a big proponent of making sure that you have a reliable running game because it can just open up so much more. And I think even more when you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson because then you have two running threats in the field at the same time every time they're out there. Not to mention you can have Marquise Brown out there, but you can also have other receivers out there who can do that job. Mark Andrews can kind of go down the seam and and take advantage of a mismatch with a linebacker. But they're not going to be. Uh, uh, they're not going to give you the opportunity to do that in the passing game if you don't have a reliable running game. Gus Edwards did a lot last year out of nowhere. He's still there, but Mark Ingram is on a different level, and I think he really brings the needed balance to their offense to allow them to get closer to their full potential. Gibbs, I know you play guess the stats a lot on uh, CBD. Good and terrible. Uh, I would like you to play <laughs> guess the wide receivers on the Baltimore Ravens. After Marquise Brown, yeah, yeah, Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed is still there. Willie Sneed is still there. So they have – There you go. This is just how different this offense is set up than the Browns. I mean, 25 of their 69 completions have gone to wide receivers. 14 of those 25 have gone to Marquise Brown. The rest have been spread around to Willie Sneed, who has six receptions, Seth Roberts with three, and Miles Boykin with two. That's it. So they're reliant on their tight ends, Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews, who have a combined 27 receptions – Mark Ingram has six catches. Hayden Hurst, another tight end, has yep. six catches. So they've, like I said, the Ravens have always had a thousand tight ends. Like they always, they're they always, always all load, almost the same. Yeah, they load them up on the on the field. Yep. Mark Andrews has clearly emerged as the the net, the big guy this year, but he also hasn't practiced this week. So that's that's the biggest injury on their side, also with Jimmy Smith to keep an eye on. Because if they don't have Mark Andrews, that's a huge weapon missing from that passing game. All right. Speaking of Jimmy Smith and that defense, we already know they're already down one DB. Uh, out for the year with a neck injury. Jimmy Smith, I, I think, will not play. There's a chance he could, but it, he hasn't practiced very, this week either, and he's missed the last couple games. Exactly, and from what they were saying, it was a three to four week injury. Uh, yeah. If you if you look at what some of the Ravens uh, beat reporters have been saying, that that secondary is a little vulnerable uh, defensively. You know, I mean, you don't have to worry about Suggs across the line from you. Uh, Mosley yeah, no longer there. Yeah, this is a different defense, but the defense that that still has played fairly well through the first three games. Although Kansas City torched them pretty good on Sunday. Yeah, it still has some punch, especially in the linebacking core. I'm a big fan of Patrick Owasso, who 
you know, was kind of an unknown guy who has risen the last couple of years to be a, a key player on that defense. And, and they've still got some, you know, some studs um, on the inside of their, you know, the interior defensive line. So, I mean, it's still, it's not, you know, they lost to Darius Smith and they lost CJ Mosley and, you know, they had the attrition. Suggs goes to Arizona, you lose those pieces. Yeah, but you don't let those guys walk unless you're confident in the, the guys that you have or the moves that you're able to make to replace them. And these are, this is still basically the same, almost the same staff that's there. Uh, and, you know, this is an established franchise. I mean, this is not a team that has gone, undergone a ton of change in the last year, even if some of the names are different. But they are, I mean, there are some contributors who are gone. So perhaps mixed in with the injuries, you can take advantage of this and finally get that offense on track. They gave, they gave up a bunch of yards, the Cardinals, too. They did. Uh, they just tightened up on the goal line, and they, they were fortunate to see that I think the, the Cardinals settled for a lot of short field goals. They didn't even try to go into the end zone on some of these. So, uh yeah, I mean, it's weird to talk about this Baltimore defense being one that's maybe not the, one of the toughest on your schedule. But if you look at it so far, I think this might be the one that is the most vulnerable so far of these first four that the Browns are going to face. It is amazing what John Harbaugh has continued to do. And I feel like we went into that game last year against them, uh, and it was almost a make-or-break game for them. Like, they needed to get into the playoffs, obviously. Yeah, they needed it was. to win to get into yeah. the playoffs. but. It was almost like, do they need to win to save his job? He went on that little run at the end of the year, but midway through the year, we were saying, "Is he going to be back? What's going on?" Let's okay. Let, and, let, and he just continues to churn out wins. And the reason why I think they're able to just let those guys go on defense is because they have the culture and they have the program in place, and it's just plug and play. Right. I mean, if we compare the two games that, that we played against them last year, the first one was early in the season. They still had Flacco at quarterback. You went on, a, on an ugly field goal from uh, Greg Joseph to get that, you know, that home win. And the Ravens are, you know, they're, they're foundering or whatever. You know, they're, they're in some trouble. Then you come back and they've changed their quarterback and they've gone on this run. And, at, you know, even if they had – even if, if the Browns had won that game last year, I still think that Harbaugh would still be in, in, in a good position because he'd done such a good job in the middle of the season of turning around his team with a different quarterback and just saying, you know what, we're going after it with this guy and we're just going to change who we are. That's the difference between a coach who – makes guys fit into his system as opposed to coaches who will change their system for the personnel that they have. And I think they've taken that next step this year. And the other thing is organizational stability. He probably didn't feel as if he had the breathing room to be able to do that, but I don't think he thought he had any other choice than to do that. And it paid off for him, and he was allowed to show that, you know, this is, this is the strength of, of my skills. This is why I'm a head coach in the NFL, and it looks like he's bought himself a lot of goodwill since then. It's ideal timing to have an offensive coordinator like the one they do with Greg Roman, who yeah. he did this exact same offense with the 49ers and Kaepernick. I mean, so it, it's all kind of worked out together, but like, like we said earlier, the investment that they've gone all in with Lamar Jackson, I mean, you couldn't find two more opposite quarterbacks than Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. Like, they're pretty different uh, in terms of mobility, just – everything and I think that the, he that offense last year with Flacco was a mess I mean they outside they've kept Snead but it was they had a bunch of wide receivers that other teams didn't want uh, yeah. with Michael Crabtree John Brown yep. uh, and even Willie Snead I mean the, they're all guys that teams didn't want uh, Mark Andrews was a rookie and Hayden Hurst is kind of underperformed as a first round pick so they just didn't have much going on and who is even they're starting and then Alex Collins was their running back at the start of the season he's not even on the team anymore so, I mean, that, it, it's a completely different offense and even, I would say, a very different offense than the one the Browns faced even Week 17 last year with Lamar Jackson running it. As we wrap up our preview of the Ravens, uh, special teams always been a strength. Uh, Harbaugh being a former special teams coach and coordinator, 
uh, Jerry Rossberg's no longer there. His top assistant is. They've had a lot of success. As Mike Prefer said today in his press conference, they have the best kicker in the NFL in Justin Tucker. Uh, special teams will play a factor in Sunday's game as it has in past Browns-Ravens games. You can count on it. Yeah, and, and having that best kicker in the NFL is a weapon. Whether people, you know, whatever you think about a kicker or not, that's a weapon. They also have a good punter, Sam Cook. So yep. uh, either way you look at it, whether they're punting you the football or they're trying to put points on the board, they are dangerous against you. And this is a Browns team that has completely turned around its special teams unit, thanks to Mike Prefer, this season. And it's been really one of their strengths. But they're going to have a worthy adversary uh, on the other side of the field in Baltimore. And we'll see, you know, maybe a long kick – Tucker kick ends up being the difference, or maybe a punt return or something like that uh-huh. ends up being the difference. The Browns haven't had a lot of kicks return on them this year. Hopefully they can continue that and take that out of the game. You, you blocked his kick last year, and that, yep. say, that sent the game to overtime, essentially. I mean, that, that allowed you to go to overtime. Denzel I mean, Ward. Yeah, I mean, so uh, that might be the only kick he's ever missed against the Browns, it seems like, at least. So, I mean, it, it's one of those where you have to just – that just makes – it makes your offense that much more important because you know any time that they get inside the 35, they're probably going to come away with some points. So uh, that's the w- the way the Ravens have done this the last few years. I mean, the field goals weren't going to do it against the Chiefs, but they'll be in, in a different mode against the Browns, I think, this week. All right, that's a look at the Baltimore Ravens as we get you ready for Browns and Ravens Sunday from M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, week number four of the 2019 NFL season. For more on this Sunday's matchup, Nick Shook had a chance to go one-on-one with defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi. Have a listen. Larry, you know, one and two starts so far, but you guys have played really well up front. Uh, what are your takeaways so far? I feel like we have all the pieces, but we just have to, you know, continue to find ways to just get it done. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel that we have the talent on the team, but we just have to find a way to win. That's the biggest thing. I feel like guys are playing at a high level on the defensive side of the ball, and I feel like we can really, you know, we can, we can still do more. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the way we're coached, the way – we you know play off each other. We always want to do more and help more. So I feel like we'll find a way to do that. How do you? What, what are the first steps to doing that? Um, really, just uh, I guess limiting like you know the mental areas, like kind of going above and beyond. There's certain plays that even though the defense played really good on you know this past Sunday night, they still scored you know 20 points. And if we had you know stopped them, and if, I think we went to the half with the lead. Uh, I don't know what the score was at the half, but I mean if they didn't score any more points would win the game so you, you look at things like that and see the things that you can kind of correct and fix you know because I, I think we came out of halftime and they drove down the field and score but you eliminate things like that and then you know the game's different so just finding ways you know continue to start fast you know even after halftime start even faster kind of you know kind of finish out the game the way we started I think we'll be fine what about how do you feel about your performance so far I mean you've gotten off to a pretty good start yeah, um, but I'm, I'm my biggest critic. I don't really try to get caught up in any, anything too early. I just want to continue to get better each and every week. Uh, I'm always looking at to find things in my game that I can find to and work on. So I'm just trying, like I said, just trying to get better every, every week. Where do you think you need to get better? Um, just, uh, I'd say finishing the entire game. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm so hard on myself. Even if it's like one or two plays that I didn't feel like I didn't do well, like, I want to make sure I get those one or two plays. You know what I'm saying? I feel like there was a scramble uh, where job, uh, golf had rolled out, and I had dove. And I feel like if I had ran two more steps and then dove, I would have got him. So it's just, just little minute things like that. Just kind of continue to find to my game, continue to work on pass rush and all that kind of thing. Just continue to get better. I mean, that's part of the progression, I think, as a, as a player, as you move into your third, fourth year, that kind of thing, is yeah. you start to remember those things and don't make those mistakes. Yeah. Do you feel like 
this is a defensive line with a lot of names, and and do you feel like you're starting to get some recognition a little bit? Does that matter to you? Um, I feel like it will come. I feel like recognition and notoriety and all those kind of things come by the way you play. So I feel like as I continue to play well, continue to do what I have to do, I feel like that thing will kind of take care of itself. So I'm not really worried about it right now because I know that the player I want to be, the player I'm going to be, you know, it just takes time, and I'm on the right track. So. You guys have done a really good job of stopping the run so far. You've stopped a couple of really good running backs, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley. Uh, you get a different challenge this week in Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, and Lamar Jackson. Um, without getting too deep in, into what you're doing for the game, you know, how do you stop a guy like that? Um, you just have to uh, really just stop him early. You know what I'm saying? Like Those are guys who they want to run the football. I mean, that's, that's their offense right now, running their ball uh, really well. Um, I think they lead the league in rushing yards and rushing attempts. So they're trying to run the football. So I think the biggest thing is just, you know, playing to our keys, you know, not getting too caught up in, like, the, the, the shifts and the motions, all that kind of thing. Because it's usually, like, the same group of plays that people try to run. I mean, it's a copycat league, so a lot of times that's the things that you kind of get. So biggest thing is just playing to our keys, you know, winning our one-on-one matchups and just, you know, playing good football. You guys, you know, talking about matchups, you guys have kind of moved you. Your, your personnel around a good amount. Uh, there were times, at least last week, where you had Sheldon all the way out outside a tackle. You know, he's basically in a wide nine and, and miles over a guard, that kind of thing. Um, what What do you think? How do you guys benefit from something like that? Um, it's just the versatility on the line. I feel like guys, you got the experience and you got the athleticism of everybody across the board that has the ability to move outside, play inside, and kind of just gives offenses, you know, a change up. Because a lot of times, you know, if you just have one guy always on the edge and one guy always in the middle, like you can kind of get a beat on guys. But when you switch it up, it's like, oh, that's a little different blocking, you know, miles on the inside and blocking still on the offside. Then, you know, just us both being on the inside and both ends on the outside. So I, it's just a change up. I feel like it's good for us. Rams had a little bit of a confusion uh, with the center and guard that opened a wide open gate for you to get a sack. Uh, what's the first thought when you realize oh, no one's blocking me? Um... It was kind of he kept saying uh, Lester, so I knew the center, I knew they were sliding to my right. So I instead of like just just going with the wash, I just cut the turn. And the guard, I guess he thought that since I was already on the note, I would just follow the track. I was like, there's no reason not to split it, so I just cut the turn on it. When did you in your career? When did you kind of pick up how to do something like that? Um, I remember Gino had to, uh, Atkins. We had talked about it one time because I saw a play where he was playing the three line slanted down. He just Cross the turn and got the sack, and I was like, "What made you?" He was like, "There's no point in me just running up and you know getting myself blocked. Like I'm gonna find a way to get to the quarterback." That's what I did. So does that go against some like technique that you might have learned? You know, basically you're going through the point of weakest resistance in that situation. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it's just being a smart football player. You see, you understand the protection. You know that they're sliding to you, so usually you work against the slide. So I just what I did, and the other guy just didn't slide. So, what's the one thing you guys need to do to win this game Sunday? Um. We stop eight. That's it. You know, really, he's he's their offense. You know what I'm saying? He runs the ball well. He can throw. His receivers make catches for him, things of that nature. So you really just got to, once you stop the run, you stop eight, then you can really start kind of getting after him, kind of taking him out of phase of what they want to do. Special thanks to Larry for his time. Nick, job well done. Let's turn our attention to the Cleveland Browns in Sunday's matchup with the Browns and the Ravens. A rare 1 o'clock game gentlemen on the schedule uh the argument being made off air or the debate i guess is would we be on the ground before the sunset which would be a first more likely when it's daylight when we get back from baltimore or when we get back from san francisco san francisco is a lock we'll be back at like 7 a.m sun will definitely be up 
I am totally not buying our travel itinerary that says we're going to be back at like at 6 a.m. No. There's no way. No. That we have not – no. But we have to load the plane. The plane is big because we don't, we don't truck everything across the country. There is no way that is happening. So Calling yep. a shot. That's all. I mean, we're not going to be on a fighter jet. So No, exactly. Uh, Browns, the first thing that comes to mind, health and where we stand health-wise. Uh, getting a couple guys back this week, although they're practicing on a limited basis. Um, although Demarius Randall, I believe, was full today. Full the last two days. Okay. Thank yeah, so you. he's good to go. Hubbard was limited, but he was back today. That That is a great sign. If there's a couple guys you need to get back, it would be those two. And you're hoping either Greedy or Denzel or both would be up and ready to go by Sunday. It will be interesting to see if that indeed is the case. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath on either of those guys right now because they were both DNPs uh, for Thursday's practice. And the one that's the, the most, not troubling, but the one that makes you not feel great is that Richard Higgins, who's been limited the last couple weeks uh, in practice, has missed the last couple of games. He went back to a DNP today. So it, that that doesn't bode well for for Sunday's game. The Hubbard one is the the, be, the best bit of progress. So I, I think optimistically you're you're looking at a team that is the same as last week's minus uh, with the addition of Demarius Randall and potentially Chris Hubbard. It's a lot. Uh, Still a lot left on the sidelines. Yeah, but you have to be pleased with how the defense played last week. All things considered, consi- I mean you were missing. F- five starters on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, I would be more concerned. And this is no knock on the way Justin McCray has played, which I think he's played better than people would have expected him to. Obviously, you're not going to pay attention when he does his job. You're only going to pay attention when he gets beat. Everybody gets beat. Todd Munkin kind of pointed that out today. It is football. That is what it is. But I would be more concerned about who is playing on my offensive line and maybe who's on the offensive side of the ball than the defense, just because they showed last week that they're deeper than we might have realized. And I think a lot of that – has to do with Steve Wilkes' system and the way he implements the players that he has and also the health of the front four because if those guys are stopping the run, which they've done all season long, and applying consistent pressure, then it makes the back end of the defense's job that much easier. And I think that's what they did on Sunday night. And that's what you could probably expect them to do again in Baltimore if they needed to. Yeah, the one thing Steve Wilkes said about the defense when he talked to us today was that red zone defense needs to get better. Yeah. But that's getting pressure on the quarterback up front. Yeah, and that's also more – I think you, you really see the difference in talent once you shorten the field because – on both sides of the ball because you, you – even the talent of the play callers because you have less space to work with so you have less – you know, you can be a little bit less creative in those situations. You're kind of boxed in, but your defenders have to play better in tighter space. So you're going to have to have your better cover corners or your better man-to-man guys. And if you're playing with your fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth defensive backs, then maybe those uh, those deficiencies or, or weaknesses start to show a little bit more, especially when you come out in a situation where they did against the Rams, which was you're in man coverage, they come out in a trip sponge set to the right, and they run a, a route combo where you create a lot of traffic and you get left in the dust because that's going to happen to almost anybody. I mean, nine times out of ten, it's going to happen, especially when it's not your premier player. So that's probably when it really gets magnified. But, I mean, between the 20s and the, in the large portion of the field, they did a great job, and they probably could again if they needed to. It's a big week for Mac Wilson because he's going to be in that spot for a while now. And this was the area where the Browns last year were exposed, was the linebacker in position game. in this game against the Ravens. They ran all over you. Uh, if they feel like they can run on you the same way, they're going to do it. And so this is it's on Mac Wilson, it's on the linebackers, it's on the front four to not let them get to that next level and get into a rhythm where they can just run you into oblivion 
milk the clock and completely control the game. So this is, for Mac, it's not only making your tackles, it's showing discipline and knowing when Lamar Jackson has the ball in his hands or when it's going in someone else's or when he's going to throw it. I mean, this is a big, big test for Mac Wilson, who, all things considered, I thought played pretty well in his debut last week. Yeah, and, you know, I think that this, you know, the Browns have done well against two premier running backs in the last two weeks, right? Stopped Le'Veon Bell, stopped Todd Gurley. Combined, held them to 3.15 yards per carry. That's a very good number for a defense. But the reason that this is kind of the next level is Mark Ingram might not be in that tier, but since you're facing Lamar Jackson, there's two threats to run every time. So you have to be even more disciplined. You can't just say, all right, well, here's the zone run to the left, and we're going to float the play and clog the holes up and everything else. You have to make sure who has the football first, which adds another half beat to it, which could then result in a crease and a big gain. So you have to be even more disciplined and more on top of it this week than you've been in the past. I think that's why this might be their greatest challenge against the run that they've met this season. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. And I also think going back to Mac Wilson, now there's tape on him. Yeah. So now we see how he reacts and how teams react to how he plays. Because he had, a, as you said, I thought he had a very good game. Amazing athleticism at certain points. Thought he was going to come up with one, if not two, interceptions yeah. in that football game. Uh, and it will be interesting to see how he handles things this weekend. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, you know, maybe it's not as bad as you know people are making it out to be all over the country and with the fan base. But you know, the offense, while it showed some things, still some work to do. And this will be another big test for them to try to get things going against this Baltimore defense. Yeah, and I mean, if, again, comparing to last year, you got to be able to run the ball better. I mean, yeah. Nick Chubb in that game had a thousand yards, then he didn't, and then he yeah. never got it again. No, because you basically—I don't think you ran the ball at all the entire second half of that game. No, uh, and and Baker Mayfield had a pretty good game, but there was also some moments where they took advantage of, of the fact that they knew that the Browns were throwing on pretty much every play, and so uh, you have to have that balance against this Ravens team, and you got to be able to take advantage of the big plays when they're there because that's been the one weakness of this Ravens defense. They've given up some big plays. And I think they are really good at safety and they're banged up at corner. So you got to be able to, to take advantage of those mismatches and maybe for the first time this season get big games out of both Jarvis and Odell uh, and, and control it that way. Yeah, that was going to be my point is is if you're banged up at corner, that sounds like an ideal matchup for either of your, your receivers, but especially Odell Beckham who – talked yesterday about how he faces double teams all the time well if you have you know lesser guys out there even if you know we're still in the NFL but even if they're lesser guys then you've got more the potential for more opportunity to make some big plays and 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 maybe like you know like you said this could be his first real breakout game which would go a long way I think toward unlocking this offense two guys I think that need to step up Damian Ratley who showed you a little bit in the game against the Rams didn't play terrible and made some nice catches Demetrius Harris who had a touchdown Uh, those two I think need to be even bigger focal points to take off some of the pressure that Odell and Jarvis are facing uh, week in and week out. I'd keep an eye on Ricky Seals-Jones this week. I think there was an increase a little bit in playing time last week. He got his first catch at the Browns, and he is right now your best pass catcher at that position, which is what you lost in David Njoku. I mean, granted, he's gotten better as a blocker. He was on that field to to help you catch passes. And of those three tight ends you have, Ricky Seals-Jones is the best at catching passes. And I think that he – uh, has that ability, and, and I just think the more longer he's here, the more he might play. I still think Harris gets the majority of the snaps, but maybe you can run some of those two tight end sets a little more often 
the more comfortable Ricky Seals-Jones gets because having two tight ends really can help this offense out, especially with Rashard Higgins likely out again. Yeah, you know, you're even equipped to go three tight ends if you really wanted to. I mean, Farrell Brown showed, even sometimes when it was illegal, that he can block downfield <laughs> you know, in open lanes for big plays, and I think there might be situations or moments in this game in which you're really going to go heavy and just pound the rock. I mean, I think that'll help your offense out. It'll establish some balance, and you could do that if you wanted to. But, yeah, I think that, you know, surprisingly, this is one of the deeper position groups on this team, and we haven't really seen them utilized a whole lot yet. And I would imagine that we're going to see that more in, in the weeks ahead, starting with this week. All right, time for our keys to a Browns victory and getting back to 500 at 2-2 two and two before we go west. Gribble. Your thoughts, your keys to a Browns win. So I know that the Ravens are trying to avoid running Lamar Jackson, and I think that they've uh, they've done a pretty good job with that. He had to run for about 125 yards against the Cardinals in that game. I think in this situation, I think if you limit him to under 50 yards rushing, I think your defense is in good shape. Because I think if there is a vulnerability with this Browns defense with a, a, a Mac Wilson playing at that linebacker position, it could be getting taken advantage of with these Lamar Jackson scrambles. So I think if you can limit his ability as a rusher and force him into throwing the majority of the game, I think you're in okay shape and, and can finally hopefully get that boost from your offense that you've been waiting for. I think you establish your offensive rhythm early. I think you could come out of the game with an up-tempo drive immediately and try and move the ball on the field quickly get that early lead, and then try to ride your defense and hope that they can contain the Ravens' offense. You know, we saw, even against Arizona, that there are ways to stop this offense. This is not an offense that's going to put up 50 points like it did in Week 1, almost 60 points in Week 1. Uh, it, it's more of, of an offense that you can keep, you know, inside 25, and you just have to score more than them at that point. And I think if you jump out to that early lead and then let your defense establish itself and get some confidence in the offense, establish that rhythm of flow, uh, a little bit of comfort, and then build off of that, you'd be in a much better position to win the game in what's going to be a hostile environment because, you know, let's face it, we're talking about how important this game is even though it's early in the season. Ravens fans know it too. They can, they've heard about the Browns all offseason. They've listened, and, uh, and they're ready to – give the Browns their best shot, much like every team that the Browns have played so far. It's one of those things where these first few weeks we've, I think, been the victim of teams really getting up for the Browns. Yeah. I wonder if finally, after all this noise this week, do you have the the uh, proper amount of nobody believes in us going into this Browns locker room? Because now it seems like everyone's just given the division to the Ravens. And can you use that as motivation? I've never heard a coaching staff be so complimentary of the other team as the Browns have been this week about the Ravens. So there's clearly a ton of respect, but I also wonder if there's a little bit of motivating factor in there about how this goes through Baltimore, it, not just because they're division champs, because they're playing well right now. I wonder if this is the moment that you get the, 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 the right mindset. I mean, I think the locker rooms had the right mindset, but can you get the, the dig deep kind of performance from this group that you know is there? I, I, I think it's interesting, though. I, Baltimore has talked about it this week. Earl Thomas talked about it. Tony Jefferson talked about it in the offseason after the Browns went out and got Odell Beckham. Um, we're still the defending AFC North champions, and the road still runs through us. And we're tired of hearing about the talk, and let's see if they can back it up. I, I think you'll get Baltimore's best effort yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. And, again, that comes from, you know, what 
Look, if you if you talk, you better be ready to, yeah. to back it up. And Look, this is gonna what's gonna come your way on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. We have Tyler Boyd going on record in Cincinnati last week as saying, "When we get AJ Green back, nobody's gonna be talking about Cleveland anymore." I mean, everybody wants to be the team to take down. Well, to beat the Browns. I mean, at one and two, I don't know if it's taking down at this point, but <laughs> to beat the Browns and to to you know prove everybody wrong about you know all the offseason chatter. Nobody, you know, nobody else in the NFL wants to hear about this team. It's up to this team now to go win the games to prove that they were worth spending all that time talking about in the offseason. Can we make one thing clear, though? That in the vast majority of occasions, it's not been these players or these coaches. No. With the all the, quote, talk that the other teams and players are saying the Browns are talking about. I saw that tweet yesterday from Jeff Schwartz about if Baker hadn't been talking all offseason. He's like... He didn't say anything like no. I know about about winning and things. You know, it's just it, it's 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 all about the noise you hear on all these debate shows. And they think that it's the players that are saying all that stuff when really this was not the players. This was not the coaches that were talking this big game. They did a lot of interviews, but they didn't say anything that was like Joe Namath esque or anything like they weren't that that wasn't happening. So I, I that's where it gets weird with me because it's the byproduct of the attention that this team got, which was a lot. And. I think it rubbed people the wrong way because it was not only that they were getting a lot of attention, but it was the Browns that were getting a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. This is the media world we live in. Uh, I, I think Jamie Gillen needs to have a big day. Field position is going to be huge for this football team. I like Sunday. it. Gibbs with the punter pick. I, I think that he – So that one bad punt, he, he got it out of his punt. system. Get it out of his system. Yeah, and he had a bad punt in week one. Like, let's, let's make sure that those are out yeah. of the system come Sunday. Uh I think field position is going to be such a critical part of this game, especially knowing their field, you know, their kickers and how good they are. Yeah. Um, it, it would not surprise me if we had another very low scoring Browns Ravens game. It also wouldn't surprise me if we ended up with what we ended up with last year in the final game and the score in the twenties, it could be 12 to nine though. It could be a lot of defense. On Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because the, the Ravens offense played pretty good last week against the Chiefs, but they didn't score a ton of points against the Cardinals, who don't have a great defense. And they really didn't score against the Chiefs till the end of the game. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a two it was a two score lead for the Chiefs for most of that game. Yeah. So, so I, well, this is again, it, it's a, the Ravens are favored. Very few people are picking the Browns, but I think we're going to find out a lot about both of these teams because I, the Ravens start. I mean, it's, it's it's weird. I can't judge any of these teams that have played the Dolphins. Yeah, that's, like, I know, that's true. It's You're like right. I've taken one game out of the equation in judging. Yeah. All right, that's going to wrap up uh, our pregame edition of Browns and Ravens on the best podcast available. Make sure you subscribe to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcast, or you can get this or any of our uh, prior episodes at clevelandbrowns.com. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available. Thank you.